God's going to help us today. I, I don't know if any of you are like me. I grew up in a little bit of a tiny home, small place. Uh, someone talked to me after and said, you had stairs in your house? That wasn't a small house. I, uh, it was, it was pretty, pretty small. I don't have the dimensions. I, I'm guessing maybe it was like 15 by 15 with a floor and a half. Something like that. Not very big. That's where we kind of got our start. That's where the Lehman family got back on track. That's where God moved and God intervened and God did all kinds of stuff in that little hall. I can, I can still remember opening mom and dad's door because <clears throat> I heard her talking. But when I opened the door, I realized she was talking to the one that was greater. I can still remember finding her in that room on her knees with tears dripping off of her cheeks, talking about how good God was and how great God was and interceding and intervening in prayer on somebody's behalf. It was, it was a great little home. I mentioned to the person that I was chatting with, I, I said it, it, it had a staircase, but, but the stairs, it was more like a ladder. We have more people fall down those stairs than anybody than any other home I know, that I know of that is... Oh, they fell down the stairs. Again, <clears throat> it, it was just that it, it was a small house. So I don't know if that kind of opened this idea about tiny houses. But if you'll, if you, I don't know if you're like me, but I've, I've checked out on YouTube. It's one of my kind of go-tos when I'm, I'm trying to, uh, tiny houses. Anybody else ever looked that up? Just a couple people. I don't know if it was for, uh, that you wanted to maybe build a camp or build a small little abode or maybe this is something that you relate to a she shed a dainty place of getaway for some of you ladies maybe that's your thing maybe a, a man shack I don't know I don't know I don't know what it might be for you you know I've looked up Dodge Grand Caravan camper van conversion old blue I think I think it still has another life maybe waiting I told the uh, first session, I said, my father-in-law was doing this long before I ever read about it or saw it. He had, you know, a couple of iron bunks in his grand, it wasn't a grand, it was a caravan, in his little Dodge caravan, and he had a, the Coleman stove and a little cooler, and I remember traveling with him through Maine, and we did a little trip one time, a little long trip. We didn't get that far, but we took long time getting there. He would only drive 90 kilometers an hour to save fuel mileage. So we took our good old time. Everybody passed us. There was no 75 mile an hour on the 95. It was just rolling down the road, windows down, enjoying the view. I, I don't know if it's, uh, I, I've looked, I like looking up houseboats or container ship homes, you know, shipping containers, and they turn them into houses. Am I alone? You're all too shy to admit it. Converted buses. Anyone ever stayed in a yurt before? I've looked that up. Tree houses that you can build in trees. I remember Shane Long and I looking those up one night. Uh, you know, just kind of, it interests me about what you can do with a small, defined space. I love to see how much you can do with a little. And maybe it's because that's the way that God is able to work. Ezra references a little space of grace. I just came to remind somebody this morning that God can do a lot in a little space in your life. 
as your, as your world kind of closes in around you sometimes, I, I just want someone to be reminded that it only takes a little space for God to do a great work. I, I just want someone to be reminded this morning that it only takes a small place that you just kind of push things back enough for God to get his hand in. But if God can get his hand in your life, if God can get his hand on your life, you watch and see what God is able to do if you'll just allow him in. Paul uh, preaches a very succinct sermon to the Roman church. He said, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I know that some people, it gets a little tight when we start talking about grace because we all know we need it. It gets a little tight sometimes because people are reminded about something that they'd almost forgot about or they're, they're reminded about something that they'd just sooner not bring to the surface in their mind or in their spirit. But, but I just came to remind somebody that God's grace is sufficient for you this morning. That God's grace is abundant enough for whatever you're walking through right now. I came to remind somebody that the enemy is going to tell you a lie, but God came to tell you the truth. God is able to turn your life around. God can put you on track. God can put you on point. God can save you. God can redeem you. That song that we were just singing about, that doesn't just have to be somebody else's song in the room. That can be your song in the room this morning. God is still in the business of redeeming lives. God is still in the business of redeeming souls. The blood still works. It's still powerful. It's still efficacious. It still kind of finds its way into the lowest place of your life and turns you around the blood still works God's grace is enough this morning all have sinned and I'm glad today uh, that uh, well I'm not glad for any sin but I'm glad that that doesn't just mean that that sin that happened on the other side of the cross because we all know that there's errors and failures on this side of Calvary you don't have to hang your head and you don't have to walk out the back door never to come back. I just want someone to know today that that kind of a, a righteous man falls seven times, but then he gets back up. I'll tell you why. He realizes that God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is enough for wherever we are, whatever path we're on, however many times we've fallen. God said it's time to get back up, get back in the game, get back in gear, get back to working for me, get back to praying in my kingdom. I want someone to know God. God came to tell you today, his grace is enough. All have sin, both sides of Calvary. And it's sin that always pushes us into the place of secrecy. Sin will push you into the dark corners of your life. Sin will pull you away from people that love you and that you love and care for. Sin desires the preeminence, so it wants you all to itself. It calls for you to treat yourself. To, it encourages you to yield to the lust of the eye. To yield to the lust of the flesh. It encourage you, encourages you to just give in to the pride of life. Just turn it all over. It doesn't matter. Just temporarily yield, give, turn in. James, the New Testament pastor, he said, but every man. Everyone say everyone. Everyone say everybody. Is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. There's this continuum that we see that James defines. He said uh, that, that you're drawn away of your own lust and you're enticed. Enticed. Then when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin. And then when sin is finished, it brings forth 
death. It sounds very concise and complete. Tempted, enticed, sin, death. It's that continuum that James is warning us about. And, and James isn't warning us about it just because he wants us all to know that it's happened. He's wanting us to know about it because he wants us to be sure that we aren't drawn away of our own lust and enticed. James is trying to warn us, don't start down the path. But when you do start down the path, this is what's going to happen. So watch out for the path. Watch out for the hole that you're about ready to walk into. Watch out for the sin that's about, uh, it's about ready to try and take your life. Watch out for that. And that's why he's very concise. He's very direct because he knows that when people walk that way, it brings forth death. Death. You know, it's, it's in those places when we begin to walk on that, that journey that James speaks to us about. That's why sin seeks that place of separation. It wants to get you off and uh, all by yourself. And, and that's why Pastor talked about COVID and we want to do the right thing at the right time. We're, we're abiding and complying with rules and regulations. We're, we're doing all that. But, but there's this other dark side of coronavirus that we all hate because it's just devious and it's a, a devilish plot because if the enemy can separate you. I've been reaching out to people this week. I've been firing text messages off because, hey, I haven't seen you. Why? Because I know how easy it is for someone to fail in themselves. And then they don't even have to have the excuse of secrecy. They just hide behind the excuse of COVID. I, I, I didn't have a chance to sign up. Liar, liar, pants on fire. You're laughing because you know it's true. I'll just wait. Eric, release the dates. If I wait three days, it's going to be full. I'll just remind everybody. <laughs> I'm way off on my notes. All right, I'll let everybody know. Guess what? The 9 o'clock service, wide open upstairs, wide open in the foyer. We will fill it if you show up. Sunday night service, we should have that room full. We should have this room full. We should have overflow full. And then we should have people waiting in the parking lot just in case somebody doesn't show up. It's not an excuse to stay away. Now is the time to dive in, drive in, get here, do what you got to do. Why? Because it's too easy for us to, to fall behind in that place of secrecy that sin wants to push you into. And then we just kind of slip off the grid. And before long, it's been one week or two weeks or three weeks, and we haven't made it out to the house of God. And the enemy's laughing. He's he one, two, three. He's counting services on his little chalkboard. He's reminding himself of how many times you haven't made it out. I'm telling you what, we've got to make sure that we have this place as a priority, that your walk with God isn't slipping and falling in this whole stage of affairs that's happening around us. Now is the time for the church to rise up and shine like we never have before because our world needs us more than it ever has before. And sin, it, it, it just loves that environment. It just wants to grow in your life. And, and now's not the time. Now's the time to shut the door on sin. Now's the time to open the door to opportunity that God has for us. That's why God reminds us about sin's effect, how sin works. That's why it's clearly defined in Scripture. Sin works that way. We know that the enemy is a great tempter. I'll remind you, you aren't the only person that's tempted. 
Jesus, the anointed Christ, the anointed one. He goes into the wilderness to fast and pray, and he begins his earthly ministry. He knows he's got three and a half years. It's got to be power packed. It's got to be better than this morning. I mean the preacher, not the people. He, know, he knows it's got to be, he's just got to be on point. But guess what? The enemy doesn't back up because it's the anointed one. He doesn't turn around and say, I'm not going to get messed. I, I, I'm not going to mess around with that. He, no, no, he, he wades right in. He wades right in. He said, why don't we just turn that stone there to bread and, and all the kingdoms of the world are going to be yours if you'll just bow down, cast yourself down from the pinnacle of the temple. And, and he just kind of lays out the, the, those levels of sin, temptation in Jesus' life. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. No one, everyone, every man is tempted. Every person is tempted. But we have this great promise. Yes, Jesus overcame the world. But we also know that there are times when we don't. It's the very moment that we take the bait, the very moment that we eat the fruit like Eve, the very second that we succumb to the temptation. We're Samson laying in Delilah's lap. And the enemy is whispering. He's, his invitation has got us in the place that he wants us. Just taste it. Just drink it. Smoke it. Watch it. Say it. Do it. And then the, the lies begin to come. It's legal. You're the only one that hasn't. Go ahead, indulge. It's just a predisposition in your family, in your life, in your past. It's just a trait. It's just human nay. All of the lies start piling up one on top of another. I'll tell you, just let me tell you what it is. It's sin. That's what it is. It's sin. It's sin. And so then when the tempter has done his very best work, the very second that we give in, the hand that beckoned becomes the fist that pounds. It was open with invitation just a moment ago because that's the way that the enemy works. But then it turns into a finger that begins to point our way and demands that we be declared as guilty. Satan always does the costume change in Scripture, and he always does it in our lives. He's always the tempter that turns accuser. As a matter of fact, it's the single job title that heaven has for him. In Revelation, you can read about it. They said, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. Why? For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Satan's done this for a few thousand years, so he's pro. Give yourself a break. Don't give yourself such a hard time. When you succumb to sin, when you, when you yield to temptation, it doesn't mean that you're done. It doesn't mean that life is finished. It doesn't mean that this walk with God is no longer your opportunity. That is a time when you've got to allow God to move in that small space of opportunity that's left called grace and God to do the work that he's able to do. You see, the devil's done this. He knows. He knows that if he can just get you to fail, then he can turn into the accuser of the brethren. And the minute that he begins to accuse you, he He's telling the truth. That's about the only time he tells the truth because you know that you failed and you know that you, fa you fell. And in that moment, he just kind of, that hand that just invited you in becomes the declaration of defeat. 
James said it. He'll quote James. Lust is conceived. It brought forth sin. And sin, now that it's finished, it's bringing forth death. The accuser. The accuser can quote scripture. The accuser can say, all have sinned and come short. You're short. You came up short. You failed. It's no longer your opportunity. You're done now. And I'll tell you what the enemy does. He said, somebody bring me my shovel of shame because now's the time when I do my best work. And he, he begins to bury you in the grave of your defeat. And his shovel just brings shame into your life. And he fills up the hole that he'd already dug in preparation for your failing and for your falling. But it's in that moment that God wants somebody to know he's still able to work. He's still able to move. He's still the redeemer that we sang about just about 15 minutes ago he's still that God that can his blood still works that is the God we came to talk to somebody about today sin doesn't have preeminence in this room grace has preeminence the blood still works his power is still enough <laughs> the enemy he can he can quote scripture well all have sinned and come short but he conveniently forgets to tell you about the next verse all have sinned and all have come short of the glory of God. But keep on reading, enemy, being justified freely by what? His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Paul was saying to Rome, there's going to be times when you're defeated. You're, there's going to be times when you fall. There's going to be times when sin comes up on you and you mess up. But that's not the time that you give up. That is the time when you begin to realize that you are justified. God is able to move in and wash you with that stream of blood and your life becomes white like snow and you get to walk out into newness you get to walk out into hope you get to walk out because of the power of the blood you're freely justified just as if you never sinned by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus that power that opportunity is ours today the universal truth we've all Sin, so we all hope to find grace. It seems to be a common search with humanity. Just stay with me about five more minutes. Music, you can come back. It seems to be the common search of humanity. In Genesis chapter 6, God said, I'll destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repented me that I have made them. They're nothing but a, a sin-filled lot. They're nothing but failure. They're nothing but yielding to every lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, every pride of life. They just embrace it. They, they, they devour it. They ingest it. They want it in their life. But the Bible, it doesn't stop there. It says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Grace was available. When Noah began looking, he began looking at the world around him, and he said, that's not what I want. I want something that's greater. I'm looking for grace. And in a dispensation that was outside of the cross, on, on a dispensation previous to the blood that was shed on Calvary, he still found grace. He still found grace. That little space of grace was made available to him. It was Moses that prayed, prayed to God. He said, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight. It was Noah, uh, Noah that found grace. It was Moses that said, let me find grace. I, I'm, I'm on a search for grace. I'm on a, a hunt for grace. I, I know that I can't do this on my own. I know that I can't do it by myself. I need God's grace.
You see, it is grace that opens the door for opportunity. And we know there are steps to salvation, but it's grace, God's grace, that opens that door for opportunity in our life. Paul didn't pick, he often would name people in the epistles. He, he didn't pick any particular name. He just blanketed the whole entire church of Ephesus. And he said, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. You gave in to temptation. You did. We all did. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit whom, that is now working in the children of disobedience, among whom we also had our times, our conversations in times past, in the lusts of the, our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. He just kind of universally puts it out there. We all were sinners. We all had that, that disposition to, to go the wrong way and do the wrong thing. But that's not how Paul ended his discourse, he said, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, he quickened us together with Christ. By grace, ye are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Jesus Christ. Verse 8, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If Noah could find grace in Genesis 6, if Lot found grace in Genesis 19, if Moses found grace in Exodus 33, then we can find grace in 2021. God's grace is sufficient this morning. Ezra said, and for now, a little space, and for now, and now for a little space, grace hath been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in his holy place that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. I'm so grateful that that is still the same God today. As we're standing together. Grace. We serve a God that has available grace, abundant grace, sufficient grace. If you find, uh, do a word search on the word grace through the word of God, you'll find sparse input from the Old Testament. But you just roll over into the New Testament and begin to read about how great God's grace is. We won't take time. I've got pages of, of notes that have all the scriptures of grace outlined and, and we could spend the afternoon here talking about it. But, but I think right now somebody just needs to realize his grace is enough for you right now. Right now. Would you thank God for his grace for a moment? Come on, grace isn't elusive. It doesn't hide. Grace isn't going away. It's available. Grace doesn't pick people. It just 
is there for everyone. Come on, think about it with me this morning. If, if sin is a universal problem, if all have sinned and come short, I'll tell you one other thing, that grace, there's enough grace for everyone that's gone the wrong way. There is enough grace for everyone who picked the wrong path. There's enough grace for all who have come short this morning. God's grace is sufficient. I, I'll just let you know, grace is always waiting on the porch for the prodigal to come home. Grace is always riding in the soil while Satan is with his shovel to bury you. God's writing in the sand saying, ah, ah, no, the first one without sin, let him cast the first stone. But, but I'll tell you what, grace is enough for everybody in the room this morning. There is a little space of grace. I wish someone would just take advantage of it. I wish someone would just say, God, I need your grace in my life this morning. I, I need your grace at work in my home. I need your grace at work in my family. God, we need your amazing grace today we need your grace to work we need your grace to work in these most impossible times Come on, somebody thank God for the gifts of the Spirit in operation. Come on, that's just tongues and interpretation of tongues because God wants someone to know that there is sufficient grace. Open that space. Open that space this morning. Come on, CCC, come on. Come on, vestibule, come on online audience join us in this moment God's talking to us today come on there's a little reviving there's a nail in a holy place there's come on it's a shore foundation it's a shore anchor it's certain come on just just lift both hands for a moment there's an escape hatch for somebody Holy Ghost, help us, Holy Ghost, help us this morning. Help us this morning. Come on, God's reordering somebody's steps right now. Come on, somebody's re, God's reordering somebody's path right now. Your plans aren't going to come as planned because God's reordering, God's reminding, God's restoring. I'll say it this morning, God's reviving somebody's life this morning. The spiritual CPR that's happening in the room. I wish someone would just let God breathe the breath of life into you right now. I, I wish.
wish someone would just let the Holy Ghost move back in. Lord, you're doing it this morning. You're doing it this morning. You're doing it in this room, God. You're helping. This is a place where the Holy Ghost moves. Just let it flow. Come on, there's help. There's help that's coming from the Lord this morning. There's help. There's a hand ready to hold yours. There's a light ready to guide in the midst of darkness. God's at work in this room this morning. Sing it. Great. 